hour two of the show. Puck is on assignment in Arizona studying cocktails and golf uh, tea times. He'll be back on Monday. Uh, you can text us at the Heritage Distilling text line. We're looking for your, your favorite or your dumbest sports superstition. Maybe it's one you believe in. Or maybe it's one. They, do they matter? Are they hocus pocus? Or is there really something to them? Right now, we'll turn our attention to professional football and uh, from the sports radio team. It's always fun to welcome in Tony Softly. Tony pucks out of the way so we can actually have a reasonable discussion among adults today, and I'm looking forward to it. Des Bryant is released by the Cowboys. The first thing that stunned me is how long he's already been in the league. Isn't it funny how we all get older and you start to think, oh, Des Bryant, he's only like three, four years. No, it's like eight years in the league now. His star has faded the last couple of years. He was due to make a ton of money. He didn't want to take a pay cut. I, I guess from all that, it makes sense. But it sure feels to me, you're like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carve out a scenario where this guy could help us. Is, are, are the things this guy has that are attractive to you as an NFL guy? Uh, you know what? you, you got to go back. When you look at picking up players that have been in the league or free agents uh, or during free agency is, is uh, playtime, production, and injury history. He's had some aided, like you mentioned, the last several years. So uh, he is not a top-flight wide receiver, in my mind, uh, in the National Football League. Is he a big name? No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, is he a guy that you might want on your team? I think that's something that you'd have to explore. Uh, but but for me, watching him play the last two, three years, he's not going to run away from anybody. Yeah. Uh, but there's still there's still uh, you know room in the league for a, a possession-type wide receiver. He he did play all sixteen games last year after back to back years where he he missed a bunch of of, uh, of games due to injuries. Uh, I I guess it would also depend, and this is a huge part of it. And and you know the the, the Kaepernick story with the Seahawks is evidence of that. You've got to meet with a guy who's a veteran, kind of see where his head's on his attitude. He might be a perfect fit if he's willing to to do some negotiating with with the money. But and and then you could say that about anybody, obviously. But but. If he wants to say, hey, I want to be number one guy, I want to get paid number one guy, that would be kind of a red flag, right? Yeah, that's a red flag, and that's not going to happen. Uh, he, one, he's not what I call a blue player. He want to do the off, off-season workouts. Is he going to want to lift and run and train and be the best he can be uh, to, to help the team move forward in the goals and objectives they're trying to achieve? Then you make a decision on it. Uh, but but this, is a, uh, you know, this is a flashing yellow light, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, Des Bryant, and why would you... Home here, this is not necessarily an area of need for the Seahawks. It isn't like the first thing you think is, oh, God, the Hawks need another receiver. Maybe they'd take a chance on Now, you never know. Pete and John obviously work in their own mysterious ways, and they've had a lot of great success doing that. But this doesn't feel like a guy they'd take a good look. And maybe even frontline starters, another pass rusher, uh, an offensive lineman, a running back. Uh, Wide receiver is, is in their needs, but I don't think it's a glaring need. Uh, at this time, and, and Des Bryant wouldn't be the guy I would go after personally. I would go to uh, look in the draft where you can get a guy that's more explosive, younger, uh, before I go down the road with Des Bryant. Tony Softley is with us on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline. We're talking NFL. Des Bryant was released by the Cowboys today. All all of your descriptions makes me think that he's going to be playing for Bill Belichick and, and win an MVP at Super Bowl 53 next year with like seven <laughs> catches, 122 yards, a couple of touchdowns, the Super Bowl MVP. And, uh, this will be a uh, it'll be a curious landing spot because he's obviously going to play for somebody next year, and it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Well, he's going to play for somebody. There's no question. Uh, and, and I'm like you, don't rule out Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Uh, you know, the one thing about it, yeah, eight years seems like a long time, but you, you remember the first three years in the leagues 
There's just a lot of things going on in his life, and he kind of got that settled down, and then he went into the injury stage of his career uh, after having, you know, like you said, three great years, uh, and, and he's come out of that fine. Uh, what what I want to see now is is who's going to who's going to pick him up and where he fits in that system. Really, kind of what do wide receivers do? They're supposed to catch the ball and score touchdowns, <laughs> and uh, he, he has fallen short in both those categories. Stephen Morris was uh, signed by the Seahawks yesterday as a as a quarterback. Everybody says he's the, is he the backup? Well, you know, we'll see. He's he's had an interesting career, if you want to call that, in the NFL. He's bounced around from a couple different teams. He has never taken a snap in an NFL game. Now, this is a, a, a pretty solid college quarterback out of Miami, but it is fun, and he, he keeps trying, Tony. I mean, how do you evaluate a guy like this who for, for four or five years he's been just stuck in a team's depth chart and can't even get onto the field? I think the Hawks are bringing him in, obviously, because they need arms for, for the offseason, uh, the, the OTAs that they're going to have, but but how, how does a guy like this keep hanging around? Where does he dig within himself to find the means to uh, has some talent, some arm talent, uh, in order to hang in there uh, with multiple teams like that. Uh, this is where the Alliance of American Football comes in because players like this will be able to go develop in that league, show what they can do, and then the NFL will be you know, able to take a little bit more of a chance on them. Uh, but, yeah, he, he, he's a guy, I agree with you, he's probably more of a, a camp arm at this time, was uh, with Shoddy out in uh, St. Louis. Uh, he knows and understands that offensive system, that, that uh, terminology and, and that scheme that he, uh, he runs. Uh, so that's that's the guy. That's the name that I'm throwing out there here early uh, to be Russell Wilson's backup is Kellen Clemens. You just brought up a great point too, and you know better than all of us. Don't want to spend a lot of time working on terminology with the backup. If you can bring a guy in who already knows that, that that's a terrific point, Tony. I mean, how, how much time does that save you, and how much of a of a headache does that take off a new offensive coordinator's plate? And it's not like Schottenheimer hasn't been an OC before, but in this case, he can work more with Russell and not have to worry as much about the backup, right? There's no question. It makes Pete feel warm and fuzzy along with John and Shoddy as well because this can come in. He can deliver. He can get you out of those emergency games until Russell was able to come back or even finish up you know, half a season if that was the case uh, and do it well. Uh, he is not uh, the – the next coming to Joe Montana. I'm not saying that, but he over the weeks and listening to Mike Holmgren on the various shows that he stops by, and and how you know a, a board can get locked in. Holmgren told a great story about how at Green Bay they would literally lock. They would put a lock around the board so Holmgren couldn't get in there and mess guys around and move things. Hey, all right, we're going to use this pick right now. We're not trading down, even though everybody thinks that's what we're going to do. Is is there that position or that player in your mind in this draft that could do that to them? You know, I would say there's probably two guys, uh, maybe three guys that would make them st- sit up and, and take notice, and that's Marcus Davin to 18 to be right in front of them at 17 and that strong possibility. I think they might sit and pick him. And, and the uh, the only other two guys I would say would be uh, Micah Fitzpatrick, the uh, safety utility guy, really, because he plays corner, nickel, safety for Alabama, and Darwin James, the safety at Florida State. I think those three players – I think they sit and pick at 18, but really, when you look at this and what they, I really believe they trade out at 18, go down to 23, 24, uh, maybe even parlay back twice to stay within the first round, pick a quality player, and then uh, recoup some of those picks that they desperately need. And it feels like uh, uh, that if someone offers them the right number of draft picks, and one of them would have to be a number one, that that dumb out there, they see the pros and the cons to this. Keeping Earl is 
there's a lot of reasons to do it. Moving him, if you get the right package. Is there a specific package you think that will definitely get him away from Seattle? And Would it be just a number as simple as a number one pick? Yeah, I don't think anybody is going to give a one. That's just it. Uh, or offensive lineman or receiver. Uh, a combination of those. But like I said uh, yesterday with Chuck and Buck is that you know, you draft players to develop them, and you hope like hell that you hit it on the mark so that they become pro bowlers, they become all pro football players, they're good in the community. It's everything that, you know, Bill Polian and, and Mike McCormick, the late Mike McCormick, and several other guys that I'm good friends around, like Austin Newsom and, and, and several others, that it just goes against what you're trying to do in building a roster and building a championship team. Uh, that would be a rebuild that would be a retool a, a great mind for this stuff and you, you were you were in the league and you know what's going on and, and guys like schneider and carolyn and, and everybody at the end of the day you're, you're trying to make it as educated as you can but it is a guessing game and the best example i've got for that uh you know for years when i was doing the regular afternoon show here you know we did they'd have the draft and then and then the morning player it's always exciting and and the one year the fifth round pick falls to me and it's this guy out of stanford who's just played defensive back for a couple of years and he was a wide receiver and is he going to be any good who knows he was a fifth round pick and it's richard sherman and i mean god knows what what a, what a run this guy's had it 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 does remind you that that for all the education and all the information that's out here tony at the end of the day it's not quite throwing a dart but you're, you're, you're millions of dollars scouting, evaluating, traveling, working guys out, watching them work out at the combine to have seven or eight picks and try to nail it down. And it's a projection because you don't know what that 19, 20, or 21 year old is going to do when he gets to the next league, mm-hmm. uh, to the grown man's league. Um, you know, they up the NFL, came into the NFL, lasted three years, was never a thousand yard rusher, and just didn't like football. But you spend all that money, you know, evaluating him and then putting the money into the draft pick, and three years later he's gone because he just it wasn't his cup of tea. Right. So you just don't know. You don't know in the draft uh, on playoffs. It's just it's one of those things that is unpredictable from a player standpoint, and also the involvement and, and the the whole draft process while it's being run uh, is it's it's a while. I mean, I can't even explain to you what it's like. Enough. It's it's really really fascinating it really is i I bet it's a little bit too like every time i've I've bought i think three or four houses in my life and and the day you buy it you instantly your buyer's remorse you're like you see everything that's wrong that you didn't see you know so i'm I'm sure you go through a little that where okay we just drafted this guy oh god look at this report so it's it's interesting because so much effort and work goes into it and there's so much more information than there used to be i mean i go back to the days of the r lads draft go out there but it's uh it's interesting to see how the various teams handle it hey one last thing martellus bennett said today that he thinks nine out of ten NFL players use marijuana at some point during the year. I mean, clearly some do. I mean, anybody who doesn't think that's going on is being kind of naive. Do you think it's that high? Is there that much marijuana use in the league, do you think? Um, would rather use marijuana uh, than they would, you know, any kind of uh, uh, prescription drug that's mm-hmm. going to affect your kidneys or your lungs right. uh, or your, your liver, uh, whatever it might be. Um now, I, I say lungs there because, um, you know, marijuana, the smoke of, you know, ibuprofen right. every day. Right. So, you know, I, I get it. I don't know if it's, you know, nine out of ten. Uh, and I couldn't guess what the percentage is, but I would say it's it's high. There's no question. 
And one last thing, a, a, a personal nut of jobs over the course of his life. But he says the best job he ever had was working for your dad. He said it was just a, he was a cool dude to work for, and they had fun, and they did things the right way. And he, he said way back when he was in college that he worked for him, and he, he wanted me to bring that up to you. And I, if I can do anything but keep my friends happy on this show, that's what I'll do. You know, that's that's really oh, all. Oh, that's I'm, good. Tell Jeff, I, yeah, tell Jeff I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, he had a hell of a year, a hell of a run out there at the UW, and enjoying retirement. That's good. What's the uh, puck will be mad if I don't ask you? What's the cigar and what's the beverage for tonight, do you think? Cigar is going to be uh, a T-52 flying pig, and I <laughs> think I'm going to do uh, a classic gin uh, martini. He's used. Uh, Tony, who's on all the time here, and uh, it, it's fun to talk uh, NFL. You know, it's, it's like I say, I, I get kind of pigeonholed as the guy who hates the draft. I don't hate the draft, but the over-information and over-analysis and all that, because at the end of the day, it's not a crapshoot. I won't say that, but it kind of is. You just never no, ask the San Diego Chargers. They got only on track. But you watched Ryan Leaf play college ball up here. He looked every inch the kind of guy who was going to have a great NFL career. It's just that there's so much guesswork to it. Maybe that's why we all, maybe the, the people that really dig it, maybe that's why make those decisions. We'll have big draft coverage coming up in, well, really the next two weeks. But then when we get around to draft day, we will be big big into it here on your home for the NFL draft. They don't make a move without consulting us for Sports Radio 950 KJR. Coverage. Sports Radio 950 KJR. Hi, Manny Acta of the Mariners is going to join us uh, momentarily. The M's bench coach. The inventor, was he not, of the Swellmet? Isn't he the guy who first brought the Swellmet in? And he presents the Swellmet after um, M's victories. I don't think they present it after losses. Guys wouldn't like that. You have a tough loss, you don't want some guy going around giving you the Swellmet. I, I knew nothing about this. I've learned something today that Friday the 13th, it has to do with the Templars, who were a, kind of a military order of the Catholic Church back in like the 11th century. Uh, and then they were rounded up and arrested on Friday the 13th, October of 1307. Friday, October 3rd, 1,000-word Wikipedia page. Jackson will have a better summary for you today uh, <laughs> at 1 o'clock on his Twitter feed. Uh, Mariners, 6-4. and four. To my way of thinking, a terrific start to the season. You'd like to be 10-0, and 0, obviously, but 6-4 and four is not so bad, given everything that they've gone through, given through some of the health challenges they've had. Manny Acta is the bench coach for the M's. And- I'm doing fantastic, and thanks for having me on, Mike. My pleasure. Have, have you ever, in all your years in baseball, seen a stranger... 15 days. No, and if I have, I don't remember. It's been uh, uh, very strange, and uh, we're very happy where we are right now, as you pointed out earlier, um, you know, with uh, the fact that we haven't had our, our whole lineup uh, from day one, and, and guys keep uh, keep getting hurt, and strange, weird guys uh, are going to be coming back this week, and uh, and hopefully we can continue to fight through it. You know, when we talk about the team offensively, which I want to do first with you, uh, you know, we were talking earlier in the show, and, and D. Gordon cannot be overemphasizing what he's brought to you. I mean, here's a guy who you know, you know came in here, and he had a, he had a great reputation, and the, the M's, it feels like, at times, have been perpetually for you guys. Talk, talk about his impact on this team in the first 10 games. Well, he's terrific, uh, and, and it's not only about his, his offense. I mean, it, yes, he brings a batting title, and he brings a guy that, despite not walking a lot, he's going to get on base because he, he can hit, and uh, his speed, is, it's obviously, uh, he caused chaos on the bases, and, and we knew that, but it's the other part of it. He's a terrific teammate, 
a terrific human being who who brings a lot to a clubhouse and to makes it uh, makes everybody around him happy and Chris Prieto and and trying to become the best center fielder he can and I think uh, he, he's a he's a tre- tremendous piece that, that was added to our ball club. Manny, you bring up a great point and talk about that a little bit more as a baseball guy. I think you know we sit here and we observe these games and we think. Oh, D. Gordon's got to learn to play center field. Well, big deal. He's a ball player. He'll figure it out. Yeah, he was. I mean, and he, he's played a little in the outfield. I, I had the opportunity to bring him to the Dominican Republic to play winter ball for me once when he was with the Dodgers, and, and that was what they wanted him to do. Well, he, he played a handful of games uh, out there, and, uh, and and that was it. And, uh, yes, it is a lot to ask. Uh, to ask. Uh, this is not little league where you can just uh, tell a kid, hey, Joey, go to right now. <laughs> Winning it's very important, and uh, guys like him that have been around and, and have the pride to to take care of business on the field, uh, it's it's not that easy. And a guy that from day one that was given that doesn't stop working, and, and that's something that we appreciate. You know, another guy I wanted to single out and get your thoughts on uh, in this first ten days, and I, I just I can't say enough about what he's done. Mike Marjima is coming out of Phoenix and thinks I'm going to be the backup. I'm going to play once a week. I'm going to keep learning. Maybe I'll get my chance. And the Felix and all eyes are on him because we're all hoping he can be okay. I mean, his, this is just really remarkable, I think, what he's done, Manny. And I know you guys are, are, are high on, on his reaction to suddenly getting the job thrust upon him. Yeah, this was one of the toughest things uh, that has happened here. Uh, the fact that uh, Zunino got hurt. Uh, right before the opening day, and and this was thrown into into Mike's plate. I mean, he wasn't expecting that. No one was expecting that. And, and you know, to handle F- uh, Felix the way he did, and then he got hit by a bat and uh, uh, on his hand, and he went throughout the game through the game, uh, knowing that all we had was uh, Romine as a backup uh, at that time. And uh, he has handled things very well. He's very athletic. And he's a guy who, you know, he's not your typical just uh, catch-and-throw clogger on the bases. He's athletic, and he can do some things with the bat. So he's been a pleasant surprise, and uh, uh, we, we welcome that because we really, really miss uh, the big Z, and uh, and hopefully he'll be back uh, soon. Yeah, a lot of guys coming back hopefully on this homestand, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're not going to tip the hand, on it, but, but all the rumors we get are that little by little you guys are going to be whole again maybe by the middle of next week. That would be some good news. Yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll add Nelly pretty soon, and and, and perhaps uh, Z and some of the other guys. You know, I'm not authorized to to be given that information, as you know. But uh, yeah, some of those guys are already playing some rehab games, and uh, they're going to be very welcome. Especially Mike Zunino, he's a guy who who, uh, who we really miss. And not to take away anything from Marjama or, or Freitas, but Zunino is a guy who's also part of that leadership uh, group that we have here that, you know, he's experienced, he's he's, a way of handling the pitching staff and uh, the bat that that came alive and and he could pop a ball out of the ballpark at any time. Give us a a quick once-over on your impressions on Mike Leak, who will go tonight. He's 2-0, he's got an ERA right at threes. I think your starting pitching has been pretty good, all things considered, and Leak has been right at the top of the list. He's been outstanding in his first two starts. Tell us about this guy. Yeah, we really like Mike. Uh, as soon as we got him last year, we've seen him before in the in the National League, but the fact that he attacks his own, he throws strikes, he changes speeds, and he's a terrific athlete. 
athlete. You know, he's a guy who can feel his position. He holds runners. Uh, and he's it's also another great teammate, a good veteran that can help the other guys. And uh, we we needed a guy like him. And uh, I tell you what, our hopes are, are based on, on the back end of the rotation. If those guys take a step forward and give us uh, a chance, we're going to be okay because I'm not afraid to throw our lineup against any lineup in the league. And I know that good pitching beats good hitting, but you have a better chance to score runs when you have a lineup like we have. And a guy like Leak uh, being behind Felix and and Paxton give us a chance to win three times out of five. And uh, so we're we're hoping that those guys in the back end take a step forward and, and give us an opportunity. Hey, Felix will go on Sunday, and uh, one of the things about Felix that I've been saying is we almost have to look at this like the end of his spring training. He's had three outings. Two were okay, and one was forgettable. But but really, when you think of how much time he missed in the spring, he, he's almost just getting to where he'd be ready to start the season. Is is, is that kind of an accurate way to look at it, and do, and, and, and do you expect to continue to see better things out of him as he gets more into what his routine would have been if he had not been hurt? Absolutely. That's the way to look at it. I mean, we have spring training for six weeks because of the pitchers, because right. we have to build them up and work them up to, to 100 pitches and all that kind of stuff and do all the fundamentals. And Felix uh, wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't part of our, our full camp. And uh, that's some of the things that because of his competitiveness at times, he doesn't, he doesn't understand. Like his last outing, he wanted to keep on uh, battling out there, but you know, we we did the right thing. Scotty did the right thing because, you know, Felix, he's still in the spring training mode and uh, he, he's going to be up and down at the beginning, but he feels good. And uh, even from spring training, he was uh, showing signs of, of feeling good and, and, and being able to have a very good season. And, and that's what it is. I, I expect him to probably two more outings and then be ready to compete like everybody else. But it's unfair. Uh, and, and I know that his competitive competitiveness uh, doesn't allow him to think that way, but it's unfair to to think that he'll be in top shape when he actually didn't go through what everybody else did. Hey, Manny, final thought. Where did the swellment itself come from? Did you have that made? Did, <laughs> did, did you send away for it? Did you did you bill it back to the team? Where Where's the swellment itself come from? It, it came from one of our, from our, our fans, uh, that it's a, it was in the Bay Area. He was there. He was wearing it that day. We were playing the the Oakland A's, and uh, <laughs> we ended up sweeping the A's. And and the guy kept uh, uh, making you know signals at me. I uh, at the time I didn't know that you know he was deaf. And uh, then I got close to him. We started communicating, and uh, uh, we uh, we got the helmet because uh, uh, Scotty really felt that it was cool and uh, we could use it. And um, between Scotty and, uh, and one of the coaches, I was here, Casey Candell and myself, we thought that it would be cool. So I started negotiating with uh, with the fan, and um, he ended up asking for a, a Robinson Cano bat. So wow. I had to talk to Robbie about it. And then he not only wanted Robbie's bat, he wanted Robbie to sign it too. So <laughs> I had to negotiate with Robbie. So we got him the bat, and, uh, and he gave us the helmet, and we uh, – we named the, the the sweeping helmet, but we thought it was too long of a of a name. Yeah. So uh, Casey named it the Swellment, and uh, it, it just took off. And uh, it's in, in its third year, and, and we're gonna get a newer one. He's gonna get a newer one now in May because it's a little beat up, but it's something that uh, 
that started as a, as a fun thing uh, in, in in our club, and we'll continue to do it uh, at least for one more year. So you better watch out if he's bringing you a new one. He's going to want more. You're going to have to start negotiating again. <laughs> he's not just going to give you another swellment, Manny. I hope you're aware no, of that. No, no, no. Yeah, the, the Mariners have been uh, very, very kind and nice to him. <laughs> he has been invited to the games. Uh, last year he came over, he threw a first pitch. Uh, Kevin Martinez and those guys have taken care of him. So I don't think he'll be asking for anything else. But he's a great fan, and uh, he supports us, and, uh, and, and, and we appreciate it. Manny, I enjoy all the stuff you put out on Twitter. It's a fun way to connect with fans and with people kind of on the outside looking in. You do a great job of it. Uh, good luck with the homestand starting tonight, and, and continued best wishes to you and the M's. All right, Mike. Thank you. Thank you very much. Manny Act, a keeper of the Swellmet. I'm not sure if that story been out there. Maybe it has. I hadn't heard it. I had not heard that it was a fan, and the fan was deaf and had this Swellmet. And... Had you heard that story, Jackson? No. That... I had not heard that story. I don't... I... Maybe it's out there. I don't know. I don't pay attention. I love the stuff. negotiating, though. I... I want a bat. Well, no, I want the autograph. Yeah, as soon as he sees he's getting the bat, he's like, oh, no, no, no. You're not getting off that easy, Act. Go back down there and have Cano sign it. So, so that's uh, that's terrific. Uh, and Manny Act is a very fun follow on Twitter. He's active and puts a lot of fun stuff out there and uh, does some in English, does some in Spanish. And uh, the bench coach down there for uh, Scott Service and the rampaging Seattle Mariners who roll into town tonight with a 6-4 and four record and start their first extended homestand of the 2018 season. Lunch with listeners coming up at noon. We'll talk about sports superstitions and on the people's court when we need 12 of you to volley in your opinion. Do they mean anything? Are they worth a darn? Or is it just something fun and it really is just not really has any impact on anything we'll make a determination on that brad evans from sporting kansas city the fighting sportings he'll be with us today at 12 30 on sports radio kjr now back to puck and the gas man on your home for seattle's best nfl draft coverage sports radio 950 kjr NHL playoffs continue tonight night three uh three games philadelphia pittsburgh and pittsburgh just beat the snot out of the Flyers the other night, as they've done all year. And there's really nothing to indicate that that's going to stop. Uh, Pittsburgh has just blasted the Flyers every time they've played. So this series should be good from the rivalry standpoint, but it doesn't look good at the start. Other two games tonight are the continuation of two terrific series, at least in the first games. Minnesota and Winnipeg, that was as entertaining a first game as I think was played. We'll talk about some of the other ones here in a minute. But in terms of the series, that was a great game the other night, and Winnipeg won it. Uh, so they have the 1-0 lead coming into tonight's game. And then L.A. and Vegas go again tonight in Vegas with Vegas holding a 1-0 lead after a... Wasn't, wasn't that a 1-0 win for them, I think? Yep. I believe that was it. And then last night, uh, not a lot of excitement uh, last night in terms of looking at the scoreboard. Tampa Bay, easy over New Jersey. Boston, easy over Toronto. Nashville, easy over Colorado. San Jose, uh, Evander Kane, that's a hell of a story. He had two goals last night, his first two playoff goals ever. This guy just got traded to San Jose in like February. He'd never played in a playoff or never scored in a playoff series. And and all of a sudden he's the wild card in this one. The San Jose, a road team, uh, defeats Anaheim 3-0. So all of those games, meh. But then the game that was a classic last night, and if you know somebody who's a Washington Caps fan, call them and, and, and offer, uh, just try to console them. It's not over yet, but the Caps have turned getting knocked out of the NHL playoffs into an art form. I mean, they to be a Caps fan, you you really... You, you know, it's funny. You can look at it from two different ways. We, we, we complain about the Mariners here, and they just haven't gotten the playoffs. 
and I know what the answer to this is. What's better, never getting to the playoffs or getting there every year and having your heart ripped out and shown to you why it's still beating? And that's what the Caps have done. Obviously, it's better. It's better to get to the playoffs. It's more fun, right? I mean, that's that's what you oh, yeah. want. But boy, the Caps have turned loose. And and then last night they go in, and you know, Columbus is red hot right now. And the Caps blow a lead in the third period, and then lose in overtime four three. And uh, the Blue Jackets have the one zero lead. There's still a lot, of, if I may say, a lot of hockey to be played in that series. But uh, but that that's um, Washington and dramatic playoff flameouts. What did they do last year? Because I remember it was it was all over, flashing everywhere. Just it was another uh, big lead. Given Pittsburgh, up. I think, beat them last year on their way to their second cup. I think, but then I think they came back to beat them. But then they've right. they've had three one leads. They've had yeah. series where they came back and were going to win and then lost. I mean, the the, the Caps have just been star crossed when it comes to the NHL playoffs, and it continued last night with the Blue Jackets. Uh, beating them four to three. You know what I heard? I, I remind me to ask Furness this when he's in because I, I meant to say it yesterday because it cracked me up. Was <laughs> I'm watching the Winnipeg uh, Minnesota series? It was chippy. The third period of that game was chippy. And one of my favorite phrases the announcer said, "Yeah, a lot, a lot of he's getting a little bit of the glove in the face there. He's getting a little taste of the glove there as they were in the the corner. And hey, here, have a fistful or have a have a <laughs> mouthful of glove there, Sparky, and see how you like that. So the NHL continues tonight. The NBA playoffs start tomorrow." And Sunday, and Furness talked about this the other day, and he's, he's so right. Basically, from two nights ago through about Memorial Day, maybe even a little longer, there's something good on TV every night. There's either an NHL playoff game, an NHL play, uh, an NBA playoff game, uh, an MLB game, and there, this is a great time. This is, you know, the the cynics say, "Well, too many teams make the playoffs." I'm like, "Yeah, maybe," except. It's really awesome once they get started because who cares at that point who's in? It's like, well, the games are fantastic. There's a good game every night. There's usually more than one good game every night, and we'll we'll see if that continues tonight with the three NHL games and the M's, of course, uh, opening up their home stand against the Oakland A's. Brad Evans at twelve thirty this afternoon. I'm interested to get Brad's a thoughtful guy. I'm interested to get his take on this insanity with the MLS and Clint Dempsey in the league once again shooting itself in the holding its foot up and saying let's shoot ourselves four or five times on this and and, and make sure that for a nationally televised game one of our biggest stars can't play for a very shady and questionable violation that our anonymous discipline committee which is another whole question. Why does it have to be anonymous? Are, are you corrupt? They say, well, we can't have people know, or you know, they might try to influence them. Oh, so the sport is so corrupt that if we know who's on the discipline committee, the, 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 it blows my mind. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a real, and I'm interested to see if Brad, hey, he's a sporting Kansas City guy. Now, he may just be happy that Dempsey didn't play him, but I, I bet Brad will have some thoughts on that. We'll talk to him. Lunch with listeners is coming up next. We're doing People's Court. We need 12 jurors. One of you will win 25 bucks to Georgetown Beer on a Georgetown Beer Friday. Uh, sports superstitions, are they real or are they imaginary? That's the big weighty issue we'll discuss. You can text in your favorite superstition at 49451, and we'll do the People's Court on Lunch with Listeners. Twenty-five or six to five.